0: Today, we're expecting a bit of a shift.
1: A break from the dry spell, but is there any relief on the wildfire front? Plus, recognize this guy a thief makes off with life saving equipment and. Head, head, to the side. Make way for pedestrians. The change is aimed at revitalizing a part of downtown Vancouver.
2: You're watching Global BC.
1: This is Global News Hour at six. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jordan Armstrong, sitting in tonight for Nithu Garcha. Rain usually doesn't make the news around here, but as you know, it's been unusually dry. So the brief precipitation Metro Vancouver saw today was the talk of the region. As Amadagahi reports, the change in weather was particularly noticeable to those having to respond to the dangers of our heat wave. These overcast
3: skies could be a lifesaver. As Metro Vancouver's second summer heat wave transitioned between sun to cloud Saturday morning, the extreme temperature forecast for up to 30 degrees in some areas became much more manageable. I'm hearing that paramedics today are, Not as uh, fatigued as they were last heat, obviously, but uh, we're still seeing incredible call volumes. It's August long weekend. During heat warning conditions Friday, more than 6,000 people in the province called 911, well above what is described as average. A concerning number to be sure, but still nowhere to the extent of the first heat event seen back in June. At the Salvation Army Gateway of Hope in Langley, the cooler is full and the fans are blowing cold air. They know how the heat can affect seniors and the most vulnerable, and they're offering everyone that needs it a place to cool down.
4: More and more things like this are needed. More and more reprieve and and sort of those safe places where people can go and get cool are needed in our community.
3: British Columbians won't soon forget the lessons of the heat dome. According to the coroner reports, from June 20th to July 29th, 569 deaths in B.C. have been attributed to the extreme heat. The majority, seniors.
4: So They can come here. This is a safe place. Um, everybody's
3: welcome. Taking the warning signs and jumping into action, perhaps the province has never been this prepared.
5: Working closely with BCHS over the last, and the new chief uh, ambulance officer, Leanne Heppel, um, to make sure that uh, everything is done, that what could
6: be done leading up to this weekend. The province is getting a big assist from the ambulance paramedics of BC, QP Local 873. They have been instrumental to the province's work to renew the ambulance service, and they are going above and beyond this weekend to make sure that when people call for help, they get a response and get a response quickly.
3: And it seems this time, Mother Nature has also stepped in to help. Amadagahi
1: Global News. And meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now. A bit cooler on the south coast, Yvonne, but not enough to lift the heat warning.
7: Yeah, and the reason being, today temperatures were not as warm as we expected, but we had some precipitation, it was much needed. We had that stretch now with uh, over 45 days without rain. Today was day 46. The reason being the heat warning will still remain in effect, it's our overnight lows. Tonight along the coast, even just only getting down to 18 degrees, so very warm overnight. And in towards the interior, we'll see those temperatures anywhere between 16 and 20 degrees overnight it won't be lifted just yet but i anticipate as we get in towards tomorrow we can start to see a change for the heat warning smoke however still a big weather story we're socked in we'll continue to see even along the on the coast smoky skies bulletin is still in effect now the air quality advisory has lifted for metro vancouver and we are going to be tracking some active weather there is some rain but there is the risk of thunderstorms for the interior timeline coming up very shortly jordan
1: all right see you in a bit thanks yvonne Scientists say the extreme heat that is responsible for hundreds of deaths in BC will happen every five to ten years unless climate targets are met. Research shows BC's deadly heat dome was 150 times more likely to happen because of human-caused global warming. The executive director of SFU's adaptation to climate change says even for an expert like her, that weather event came as a surprise and all levels of government need to pay attention
7: already seeing extreme events that are not manageable. Um, They're outside the scope of our imagination, and that's why it's hard for people to really prepare for them. But this is what's happening with just one degree, and we're on track for three. So we need to take this as a very serious wake-up call.
1: Now to the wildfires and the storm cells that moved through the lower mainland this morning sparked a pair of fires near Harrison Lake. The BC Wildfire Service says there were multiple lightning strikes this morning. They sparked at least two fires near the northern half of Harrison Lake. One is 5,000 square meters and the other is 3,000. Crews are responding to the fires with air tankers and a helicopter. A fire in Manning Park now covers about 30 hectares. The Fat Dog Creek Fire was spotted yesterday. Areas north of Highway 3 are closed from the Cascade Parking area to the east gate of Manning Park. That includes a number of trails. However, facilities and trails on the west side remain open. same goes for the Manning Park Resort and the Hampton Campground. 250 people continue to fight the Inka Meep fire in the South Okanagan. That blaze continues to burn out of control, scorching an estimated 13,000 hectares. Officials say determining an accurate size is impossible right now given the heavy smoke. Firefighters from Mexico have joined the battle. Crews are currently working to protect structures and remove fuels at Mount Baldy Resort. Evacuation orders and alerts remain in place for many nearby residents. The Wildfire Service is reporting progress against the Flat Lake Fire near 100 Mile House. Crews say a controlled burn was successful today to help limit the fire's growth. The burn helped eliminate fuel down to roads that firefighters are using as control lines to contain the fire's spread. The Flat Lake Fire has burned more than 45,000 hectares and is still out of control. Evacuation orders are in effect, and 100 Mile House is under an evacuation alert. B.C.'s hot and dry temperatures are forcing unprecedented measures as the urban fire risk grows. And as 37 major wildfires burn across the province, scofflaws continue to violate the campfire ban. Now, as Kristen Robinson reports, some are calling for an end to recreational backcountry use until our forest fires are under control.
8: Vancouver's urban forest getting doused as the drought continues the park board's emergency watering response in place citywide.
6: This is a rare step that we've taken. It's never been closed for something like this.
8: For the first time in its 133 year history, Stanley Park is being shut down between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. indefinitely due to the extreme heat and risk the city's crown jewel could become a potential inferno overnight.
6: There is um, cigarette bots um, literally just littering the park. So it, it's really, you know, it, it's, it's very scary.
8: The BC Wildfire Service says it's stretched for resources on the front lines, but getting support from 300 out-of-province
7: personnel. We're sitting at, a, at around 245 active wildfires. Uh, 70% have been sparked by natural causes. Typically either
8: lightning or spontaneous combustion.
7: We're covered in smoke. You know, we all have to bunker down and we all have to change what we usually do in the summer. And part of that is staying out of the backcountry.
8: Chief Clarence Louie of the Osuyas Indian Band, which has issued evacuation orders and alerts due to the 13,000 hectare Income Creek wildfire, says recreational backcountry use should be banned.
7: There's some idiots out there and every community has some idiots. And most of these fires are a good percentage of them are started by people being out in the backcountry.
8: Instead of a blanket ban, the province says area restrictions are in place around active wildfires.
7: And half the time, people don't even realize that they started a fire. Maybe they chucked a cigarette out, maybe their exhaust started a grass fire. Since a
8: province-wide campfire ban was implemented June 30th, conservation officers have issued 47 tickets, totaling more than $50,000 in fines, on top of 79 warnings. And amid the unprecedented dry conditions, Abbotsford police are probing a possible arson that destroyed part of the boardwalk bridge in Mill Lake Park. Kristen Robinson, Global News.
1: An apology today from CN Rail to displaced Linton residents who received financial aid from the railway. In a tweet, CN says when it exhausted its supply of gift cards... Its employees mistakenly distributed checks that contained what it describes as standard legal boilerplate. The railway says none of the $1.5 million comes with any strings or conditions. It apologizes for what it calls an honest mistake and any confusion or anxiety that was caused. The Fraser Canyon Village was all but destroyed by a wildfire on June 30th, a fire that witnesses say started along the train tracks. The cause, though, is still under investigation by the RCMP. Smoke in the southern interior caused major headaches for anyone trying to fly out of Kamloops today. The heavy smoke caused most flights to be cancelled. Limited visibility means planes cannot land at Kamloops Airport. Both Air Canada and WestJet have cancelled their flights for the rest of the day. A vandalized totem pole at the Malahat summit has been taken away for restoration. The Salish bear totem was scorched early in the morning of July 2nd. On it was the graffiti, One Totem, One Statue, suggesting the fire was in retaliation for the toppling of monuments on the island. Two women tried to douse the flames with water bottles before firefighters arrived. The totem, though, was badly damaged. In a small ceremony today, workers took the totem down to begin its refurbishment. The work is being done with guidance from the artist family and the Cowichan tribes and elders. White Rock RCMP have made two arrests in connection with a major arson five years ago that forced 100 people out of their homes. <laughs> the May 2016 fire quickly spread from a construction site to a condo building on Pacific Avenue. where residents had just minutes to flee. Both buildings burned down and 100 people were displaced. The Five Corners fire caused millions of dollars in damage and affected the city's water supply due to the fire suppression efforts. Earlier this month, police arrested a local man and another from outside the Lower Mainland. Both have since been released, but charges of arson, break and enter and theft are being recommended. Surrey RCMP are asking for help to find a high-risk missing man. Police say Jazkiran Sandu was last seen at about 11.30 yesterday morning, leaving his home on 96A Avenue. The 52-year-old was wearing a black t-shirt and gray shorts with black-and-white runners. His family says it is out of character for him to be out of touch for this long, and he suffers from a medical condition. He's known to frequent parks and beaches and may have traveled near Harbor Center in downtown Vancouver. Anyone with information on his whereabouts is asked to call Surrey RCMP. Quenelle Search and Rescue has been hit by theft, and it is asking for the public's help to track down the stolen gear. The team's support vehicle was broken into and ransacked on July 28th. Vital rescue equipment, including three packs of special rescue ropes and six portable radios, was stolen. Quinnell SAR has been extremely busy this year and says the loss of the gear and the damaged vehicle will put the public at risk if members are not equipped to respond. Anyone who recognizes this man is asked to contact Quenelle, RCMP. Opposition is growing to a proposed gas plant south of the Prince George Airport. West Coast Olfins announced plans to build a natural gas plant on farmland in Pineview. The company wants to build a plant that will recover propane, butane and natural gas from a pipeline that runs just east of Prince George. Those recovered natural gas liquids would then be exported to Asia. The plans are still in the early stages, and the plant faces a number of hurdles before it could be built, including opposition from some local residents. We're afraid of what the environmental hazards are going to be, you
9: know, our water, our air quality. We have uh, emission of light, then we have chemical emissions, Here's the really heavy industrial with all inherent uh, uh, problems and and risks and and uh, negative effects next in, you know, in our backyard.
1: The company says the recovered products would otherwise be burned and wasted. It hopes to get the final go ahead by early next year with production starting in 2024. Day one of changes to Granville Street. Just ahead on tonight's news hour, we take a closer look at the effort to revitalize this part of downtown Vancouver. And detained in China, why a pop star with BC connections is behind bars in Beijing. Starting this weekend and for the next several weeks, the Granville Entertainment District is closed to vehicles, allowing pedestrians to take over the strip. As Paul Johnson reports, it's in hopes of revitalizing an area that's been neglected, particularly during the pandemic.
2: Here's a memorable sight: Chris Hallamore strutting his way down the catwalk in a ballroom competition. Look closely and you'll see this event is happening right in the middle of Granville Street. There is a new plan here for the next few
3: weekends. I think it's fantastic because I think people should have a right to city spaces
1: as cars do, if not more.
3: Several blocks of Granville
2: Street downtown are going to be closed to traffic every weekend for the rest of the summer. What amounts to a pilot project by the city and the Downtown Business Improvement Association. Many had complained Granville's been in decline in recent years, so this plan brings energy, culture, most importantly foot traffic.
10: It would be great to be able to do this uh, in the summertime on a permanent basis.
2: Well, the stretch of Granville between Helmcken and Smythe doesn't come close to Bourbon Street or even Montreal's St. Catharines in the summer. The BIA's new boss is from New Orleans, and he's just
10: getting started. The more people that we can have on foot, on bicycles, more families we can have and strollers, the better off the street will be.
3: One person could walk face category, which is about showing your face, teeth,
2: eyes. Ralph and helped organize the ballroom competition. He said it dovetailed nicely with Pride Week and turned out to be a big hit.
3: So It's really exciting to find ways to continue uh, reimagining how we see public spaces. If ballroom's not your thing, you can expect all kinds of different vibes
2: on Granville this summer in a city as diverse as Vancouver. And yes, We did make a point of asking Hallamore about those awesome boots.
3: They are uh, five-inch heel, three-inch platform, uh, thigh-high boots that uh, make me look like a bat and terrify everyone who sees me on the street. And I kind of like that.
1: On Granville Street, Paul Johnson, Global News. Now to a dubious distinction for Kelowna. A report for the local area has been published by Stats Canada, which names the central Okanagan region is having one of the highest rates of crime per population in the country. Global's Darian Matassa-Fung has that story.
9: There's no shortage of crime in the central Okanagan, as Kelowna has been ranked third on Statistics Canada's Crime Severity Index for the country. Crime Severity Index is different from a crime rate. It not only records the number of crimes, but the severity of them as well. According to the report, Kelowna has the ninth highest rate of violent crimes in the country and second highest rate of non-violent crimes per population. Global News asked some local residents for their reaction to the stats.
4: That really shocks me. Yeah, I mean, you you kind of consider it to be a safe place to live. I've
8: lived in Kelowna for over 30 years and I live right downtown. And, you know, I know we've got a lot of drug problems and stuff. But, yeah, to have that high crime rate is really really upsetting.
1: I think obviously we need to take steps to improve those stats. It's it's very concerning for for us who live here and even for people who want to come and visit us. Tourism is our is our life split here in Kelowna and so we do need to improve on our crime stats. That's
4: surprising. I mean I live just down the road. I, I don't uh,
6: recall there being any like super a lot of crime around there and stuff so
4: That's surprising to me, wow.
9: Kelowna RCMP were not available for an interview, but did supply a statement. We recognize that this ranking may be disturbing, but Kelowna is a safe city, and it is important to look at our CSI statistics in context. While all crimes are personal, our preliminary review shows that much of the crime that is affecting the Kelowna Census Metropolitan Area nonviolent crime rating are crimes of opportunity and proactive files that police generate. Kelowna RCMP says it will be conducting a review to determine how the RCMP can work to prevent and reduce crimes in the future. Darian matasafung Global News.
1: RCMP are asking for your help to identify the suspect vehicle in a hit-and-run in Port Coquitlam. Police say this dark GMC van struck a motorcyclist at the intersection of Westminster Avenue and Oxford Street shortly before 8.30 Wednesday night. According to witnesses, the vehicle left the scene eastbound on Prairie Avenue in Port Coquitlam. The suspect van has logos on the side and rear, along with front-end damage. The motorcyclist is expected to make a full recovery. The long waits to board a BC ferry to Vancouver Island persisted today on this, the busiest travel weekend of the year. The queue at the Tawasin ferry terminal was once again long for most of the day. BC ferries tweeting out that the sailings between Tawasin and Duke Point were already sold out for the rest of the day. Those waiting to get to Swartz Bay without a reservation faced several sailing waits. And at Departure Bay in Nanaimo, police were turning back travelers without a reservation telling them to come back later. TransLink has begun to upgrade the Sky Bridge, which connects Expo Line service between New Westminster and Surrey. The construction will replace the aging expansion joints along the SkyTrain tracks that have carried more than 5 million trains since 1990. In 2008, a chunk of concrete from the Sky Bridge was found on the ground below on the New Westminster side. Expo Line service will single track between Scott Road and Columbia stations until August 7th. And then from August 14th to the 21st, the Expo line will single track between Scott Road and New Westminster stations. Electronic Arts is taking over the former headquarters of Mountain Equipment Co-op in Vancouver's False Creek Flats. EA confirming this week the expansion to 1077 Great Northern Way sometime in the spring. The corporate headquarters in B.C. will remain in Burnaby. EA is behind popular gaming titles like FIFA 2022, Need for Speed, and Battlefield 2024. After the break, serious allegations why a pop star who grew up in BC is being detained in China. Plus, voicing frustration, today's rallies in Alberta against the lifting of COVID 19 restrictions. A Chinese-Canadian pop star with BC Connections has been detained by police in Beijing on suspicion of rape. Chris Wu is a former member of the Korean boy band XO. The 30-year-old is accused of luring young women into sexual relationships. Wu has denied an initial claim by a teenager that he had sex with her while she was drunk. The accuser now says seven other women contacted her to say he seduced them with promises of jobs and other opportunities. A police statement said Wu is a Canadian citizen and had been criminally detained. He was born in China but also grew up in Vancouver. Protests were held in Calgary and Edmonton today. Hundreds expressed their displeasure with the Alberta government's plan to lift mandatory isolation rules, scale back contact tracing and COVID-19 testing. Global's Michael King has the story.
4: You are choosing to put people at risk by reducing reasonable protections.
5: That's the message shared by those gathering in downtown Calgary and at the legislature in Edmonton on Saturday. Hundreds calling on Alberta's government to reverse its decision to change the rules around COVID-19.
8: Starting on August 16th, we will no longer recommend that all those with mild symptoms seek testing. Isolation will no longer be universally legally required if you test positive for COVID-19.
5: For Natasha Brubaker, whose child is considered high-risk for the virus, these decisions hit close to home.
4: Our children are, by definition, vulnerable. They have no option to protect themselves beyond these health measures and the decisions made by the adults they are counting on to care for them.
5: Dr. Joe Vipond, an emergency room physician, is going further, saying the rolling back of restrictions goes against Canadians' right to life, liberty, and security.
3: I call on the Attorney General of Canada to reach out to our Premier and say that you are not allowed to vi- vi- uh, you are not allowed to violate the charter rights of 4.5 million Albertans.
5: In response to the pushback, Alberta's Health Minister pointed to the rise in those vaccinated even though Alberta is below the national rate in both first and second doses.
6: We are trying to do it in a thoughtful way in a, a staged approach based on really important metrics and milestones that were developed that are based on the science and based on the data.
5: For Dr. Joe Vipon, that response is not enough and he's calling on Alberta's chief medical officer of health to resign.
3: It's quite evident now that public health is not actually putting in policies to protect the health of the public. I think this is a travesty and I think she should resign.
5: For those like Natasha Brubaker, they just want to see the province at least maintain the status quo when it comes to testing, tracing and isolation.
4: I'm not suggesting a lockdown or reducing store capacity or closing restaurants. I am asking for reasonable steps to be taken to protect them and to prevent illness, deaths and possibly having to close our schools again.
5: Michael King, Global News.
1: At the happiest place on earth, employees at all Disney parks now have 60 days to prove they have been vaccinated against COVID-19. The Walt Disney Company issued a statement saying, safety is their top priority and it's following the advice of scientists and their own medical professionals who believe the COVID-19 vaccine provides the best protection against severe infection. All salaried and non-union hourly employees will be required to be vaccinated if they are working on the property. Visitors two and older are required to wear masks while indoors. In Health Matters tonight, most of us have heard how naloxone can help save lives when it comes to the opioid crisis. But how many of us know how to properly administer it when it's truly needed? An Alberta doctor is trying to teach the public how to use the life-saving kits. Sarah Cobandina reports.
4: Eva Craig hasn't seen someone overdose on
8: opioids, but now if she does, she feels prepared. I think it's really easy to feel powerless in those situations and this is actually quite empowering to actually do something when someone's going through an overdose.
4: She took part in an information session showing community members how to use a naloxone kit.
10: So if this is someone's thigh, you're just going to like dart it. right
4: Naloxone is a drug that temporarily reverses the effects of an opioid poisoning or overdose. It can be administered as many times as needed and can keep someone alive while waiting for an ambulance. Accidental overdoses and opioid poisonings are happening everywhere in every single neighborhood in the city Um, And having an naloxone kit with you is just a simple and easy way to save someone's life Emergency room doctor Shazma Mathani has seen the opioid crisis grow firsthand Even just in the first quarter uh, of this year from January to April the number of deaths related to opioid poisonings exceeded the number of COVID nineteen deaths. She says there are times when she and her colleagues can't keep up with the number of patients coming in suffering opioid poisonings. They're young; uh, they, they have so much life potential ahead of them, and um, you know they they're they're coming in and and potentially their entire lives are changing, and or 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 they're dying, and it's just. It's devastating to see uh, the sheer number of of patients that are affected by this. The hope is more events like this will be held. Mithani stresses Albertans can get a free kit anytime. More than 2,000 community sites and pharmacies offer them. For those who came, it's about keeping an eye out for those in a life or death situation.
0: I walk the river valley just about daily so we could just come across anyone at any time.
8: I realize it's a really important time to Carrying naloxone and to just start looking out for people. Sarah Comedina, Global News.
1: When we come back to the rescue, the horse that got in a tough spot and the BC firefighters who saved it. You're watching Global News Hour at six. Hands on deck to rescue a horse on Vancouver Island. We'll have that story right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, the return of some live entertainment on North Vancouver's waterfront this weekend. Shipyards Live is taking place on the North Shore every Friday and Saturday for the next eight weeks. The festival will feature live music, culture, food, and activities. The free event also includes a splash park, a large licensed patio artisan vendors and food trucks until 10 at night. Let's check in now with meteorologist Yvonne Shell and some clouds around today and also seem to be quite humid
7: on the south coast. Yeah, absolutely. Temperatures, especially away from the water and with the humidex, we're still into the low 30s for most areas and we are going to still see warm temperatures, especially for our overnight lows tonight. A quick glance at what it looks like. Hazy conditions out there. Temperatures are sitting at 26, but we've got a calm wind just reported out of the airport. The highs today, especially for the interior, still into the low 30s and we are going to be tracking some rainfall for tomorrow. That in just a moment. A bit of instability, though, still across Metro Vancouver and the South Coast this evening. We could still see a few isolated showers, still a slight risk of a thunderstorm, and we are still seeing some active weather in towards the interior areas near Quesnel, with a couple of thunderstorms or lightning strikes popping up across that region. The heat warning will still remain in effect in towards tomorrow morning for most areas across the province, and it's all because of our overnight lows, 16 and 20 degrees for most areas, and that's what we'll continue to watch Air Quality Health Index, a quick glance as well, sitting at high for the interior, and we're at low for most areas along the south coast. Active BC Wildfire Service, the active wildfires, an update 243, 92 of them are out of control, 37 fires of note, and 70% of them lightning caused fire danger rating still sitting at high to extreme and it's bumped up even for the northern half sitting at high once again now as we get in especially in towards the morning hours much of the southern interior we are going to be looking at the potential for some rain but with it the big concern will be some lightning with the risk of thunderstorms and locally a few spots in the interior could see up to 10 millimeters much needed precipitation across the area now the northern half of the province will still see that heat especially inland tomorrow bumping up into the low 30s and then the risk of thunderstorms is going to extend in towards the Peace, Central Interior, and all areas across the southern half will still see that heat for tomorrow, but the concern will be the lightning and the potentials there to see some precipitation with the thunderstorms rolling across the region. For the south coast, we will have cloud cover in the morning, more of a clearing towards the afternoon. A few isolated showers will be possible for eastern areas, and that'll stretch in towards the Fraser Valley. With the Humanex tomorrow feeling like 31, but it'll be a touch cooler, especially with that cloud cover in the morning. It is going to warm up across the province once again into early next week. It's still a few days out, Jordan, but it'll be much needed late day Thursday into Friday. We're looking at a chance for some showers.
1: Looking forward to that. Thanks, Yvonne. And unusual rescue for firefighters on southern Vancouver Island this morning. Okay, let's
6: go. What are do we, we doing? One, Back. two, three, go.
7: Okay, keep going.
1: Teamwork makes the dream work, and that was the case for this Saanich fire captain and the members of his platoon. The department dispatched to save a horse trapped in a mud bog. The crew managed to pull the animal out of its predicament. It was exhausted, but uninjured. No word on exactly how that horse got stuck. Well done to those firefighters.
7: Good job. good job. Couldn't nice have ending. been
1: couldn't have been light pulling no. a horse yes, out of the mud for sure. A lot of burly firefighters to <laughs> indeed. Barry's here now, and a rumor involving the Vancouver Whitecaps came true today. Yeah, a good one. You know, yeah. Sometimes we say rumor, something
6: bad's happening. You no, know, they've been uh, searching for this uh, one player for it seems like a while, and uh, it's been rumored for you know six weeks. Finally comes to fruition so we'll have that announcement uh, coming up and brandon sutter back with the canucks after signing a one-year deal we'll hear from him as well
1: sounds good thank you very much also ahead on tonight's news hour it was bright it was it was burning hot and it was scary like it's just like i didn't know if this house was going to be here a bc family returns home after being forced to flee the flames near a soyuz their story is next
2: attention. Need the latest info on budgeting, personal finances, taxes, affordability, or any other money issues in this pricey province? Then get informed. Andrewa examines Consumer Matters on Global News.
1: Welcome back. As we reported earlier, the Inca Meep wildfire burning near a Soyuz is still growing, but some residents forced out of their homes have since been allowed back in. And as one grateful family tells Lauren Pullen, they saw firsthand just how close the flames came to consuming their home.
0: right through there. As she walks through what's left of her backyard, Celia George can clearly see how close her life came to changing forever. The unforgiving flames of the Income Creek wildfire near Asus, B.C. came within meters of her home. She was an hour north of town when the fire broke out. was at the
6: hospital when I first got the call.
0: And my
6: husband's in there, and he, we've been going through rough time already for a while.
0: George's nephew was watching over the house while she was at her husband's bedside.
6: That is where the, the fire started.
0: Ellie Bent believes the wildfire began behind his aunt's home. He and his son did everything they could to fend off the fast moving flames
6: we're wetting down the roof and stuff like that and just preparing for the fire to come down it it was just like in a rolling motion it came down the hill and that's you know as fast as it could it was bright it was it was burning hot and it was scary like it's just like i didn't know if this house was going to be here
0: Ben knows firsthand just how merciless Mother Nature can be. He and his family were forced to flee the 2016 Fort McMurray wildfire in Alberta. Their house survived the firestorm. And thanks to the quick action by fire crews in this fight, his aunt's house was also spared. From up here, you can really get a clear picture of the tremendous efforts of those fire crews. You can see that fire actually burned a complete circle around the house, but thanks to firefighters' incredible work, the home was left untouched by flames.
6: And I want to just really put my hands up to all those ones that helped save
4: our home here. Thank you. That's all I have to say. Thank you so much from our hearts.
0: A family forever grateful after wildfire nearly tore apart their world. Lauren Pulling Global News near Assise.
1: Just ahead in sports, the NHL opens an investigation into gambling allegations against a player. Also, new help from Scotland for the Vancouver Whitecaps, and he's not coming cheap. Find out how much he's making with the team when the news hour continues.
2: Special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. On Global News Hour at 6. Go golfing for a great cause.
6: Join the Ronald McDonald House, BC, and UConn for their annual Vancouver golf tournament. Enjoy on-course food, prizes, 50-50 draw, and more. All to support the families who rely on the Ronald McDonald House. Today in BC, there are approximately 60,000 people on the autism spectrum. Autism BC connects the autism community with resources, workshops, social groups, and more. For info on how to donate or volunteer, go to autismbc.ca. For our BC, I'm Michael Newman.
1: If you want to know global BC community hub. navigate you now whitecaps fans will be seeing a new face on the pitch and Barry's gonna tell us all about him hmm thanks Jordan uh, well it took a while and
6: took a lot more money than they ever uh, paid any player before but the Whitecaps finally have midfielder Ryan gold out of Scotland he signed a three-year deal for apparently close to about $3 million per season. He is with the Whitecaps right now in Utah, where they'll play Minnesota tonight at 7, a game you can hear on AM 730. But he won't play in this game. He will start training with the Caps next week.
9: When Ryan Gold was a
6: teenager in Scotland, he was unfairly called Mini Messi or the Scottish Messi because of his abilities. Of course, he's not Lionel Messi, but this past season in Portugal, he started to show maturity in his game. And he should give the Whitecaps what they've needed
2: for a while. A midfielder who can drive, play and create goals. Different options in the final third. Sometimes we've been lacking uh, options there and we've been lacking of uh, different... Different variations with the last pass, different qualities in the the final third. Um, it's going to allow us to, to grow in that part of the game.
6: And we'll have highlights of the game tonight against Minnesota at 11, the B.C. Lions have been off the practice uh, field for a few days now because they had to leave Kamloops earlier than they planned with the smoke in the air causing them problems. So they're back home in Surrey. They'll practice tomorrow through Wednesday. Their first game is coming up quick next Friday in Saskatchewan. Vancouver's Evander Kane could be in hot water with the NHL. Kane's wife, Anna, called out her husband on social media saying he has been throwing games with the San Jose Sharks to fund his gambling addiction. In other words, Kane would bet on the other team to beat the Sharks. NHL players are not allowed to bet on any NHL games, even ones not involving their team. The league sent out a tweet today saying they are aware of the situation and they intend to conduct a full investigation. Kane filed for bankruptcy last January. Well, last Wednesday when the Canucks went on a free agent shopping spree, not all the signings were players new to the Canucks. They brought back Travis Hamanuk and Brandon Sutter, who at 32 signed a one-year deal for far less money than his last contract. But he's just happy to be back and have a chance to make up for a very disappointing last season.
10: I really didn't want to go anywhere else. And the Canucks
6: wanted him back at the right price and at $1.125 million per season, about $3 million less than his last contract, Brandon Sutter will give the Canucks good value. A veteran centerman who's very good in the face-off circle, on the penalty kill, and the dressing room. It'll be his seventh season as a Canuck, and he feels he's got a lot of unfinished business.
10: Still haven't had a chance to play a, a playoff game here at Rogers, and that's... Uh something that's in the back of your mind when you're playing of, of getting back in the playoffs. And even this year, watching watching playoffs when you're not part of it, it's just uh, you know seeing fans back in the stands again. You just get that hunger again. And I want to be part of that here in Vancouver.
6: Like most of the Canucks, Sutter just wants to wipe the slate clean from last year. But one thing stood out on the ice, really poor defensive play early in the season that led to a slow start that they never recovered from. That has to change this
10: year. Shot in. And in January, the game's a two-week stretch. It seemed like every game we were losing, you know, 5 5 5-2, 5-1, 6-1. Like, we just were giving up way too much. And uh, by no means is it our goaltending. It's just our our, our our play without the puck. And we would be better in that regard. And if we do that, you know, we got enough guys that can score. And and uh, we got good goaltending.
6: A new season brings a lot of new faces and new optimism. But more than anything... Sutter's looking to the return of the good old days when home games were a real advantage.
10: To get fans back in the building, get some energy back. Like I said, watching <laughs> watching the playoffs with the U.S. teams was just like, oh, it was like almost like granite nails on a chalkboard. You were just like, oh, you, just, you miss it so much and you just want to get back out there and experience it. And uh, it was a frustrating year for that. So um, I think we're getting antsy to, to kind of get after it here.
6: Canada is hoping to add to its medal haul in Tokyo later today. Sprinter André de Grasse had the fastest time in all of the qualifying heats and is a definite gold medal hope in the 100 meters. And in the pool, the Canadian women's 4x100 medley relay has an excellent shot at a medal, perhaps even gold. Now, Canada's most recent medal came from our women's swim team, which has been incredible in Tokyo. Kylie uh, Moss who uh, won silver in the women's 100-meter backstroke, won silver again in the two. She was leading late in the race but got overtaken by an Aussie swimmer. Moss will also swim the backstroke in the medley relay tonight. Uh, And there's DeGrasse right there, the 38-year-old inspirational veteran coming back. Or, sorry, I was talking about Brent Hayden. We'll get to him later in a second. There's DeGrasse. One is heat the fastest time, 991. There's Brent Hayden, 38 years old, left swimming for seven years. This is the 50-meter semifinal, and he just missed out on qualifying for the top eight, but still a great uh, job by Brent Hayden. All right, let's talk some uh, baseball. The Blue Jays back at Rogers Center for their second game with fans. One last night 6-4, first inning, first pitch. George Springer clobbers a solo homer to left. The Jays lead the majors in first pitch. Home runs, they're so aggressive. Very fun team to watch. Third inning, Springer up with a man on, does it again. Takes the outside pitch to left center. Two-run shot for Springer, who's heating up at the right time. Now 11 homers this season. He's only played 34 games. Now the new tradition with the Jays, you hit a homer, you get a welcome neighborhood jacket. Very cool with all the countries of the players on the team. Former Vancouver Canadian Alex Manoa making his first start at Rogers Center was fantastic. Seven shutout innings, just two hits allowed. He gets the win. Jays blank the Royals for nothing. And last night... Out in Wally, B.C. Little League Championship. The host taking on Leritz of Victoria. Leritz with a big upset in the semis, looking their first ever title, but uh, Zach Kluth with a double gives Wally a big 5-0 lead in the first. Now, Leritz did close the gap, but Wally gets this home run from Anjo Razon, and they go on to win it 10-4, so congrats to Wally. No Canadians or Little League World Series this year for Canadian teams because of COVID, so their season is done. And Hungarian Grand Prix qualifying. Lewis Hamilton, well, wins the poll again. His 100 career poll. Teammate Valtteri Bottas is second. Hamilton has won eight times in his career in Hungary. Loves that track. Canadian Lance Stroll qualified 12th. Nicholas Latifi, the other Canadian, qualifies 18th. And again, Whitecaps Minnesota highlights tonight at 11. We will be there. Hope you will be too.
1: We'll be right back, though, with the story of the Vancouver Rogues, a rugby team trying to make a difference.
2: Our world is changing fast, but the plan remains the same. Ask the questions. Explain the answers. Provide the context. When and where BC needs it most. Global News. Navigate the now. What to do. What to see. Where to eat. Where to be? Global BC community reporter Michael Newman wants to help you get to know your BC better. Global BC, in your community.
1: Thanks for staying with us. Canada's first gay and inclusive rugby team is being revived with high hopes for the global stage. How awesome would it be to come out of COVID with, you know, a uh, gay rugby team again? The Vancouver Rogues are hoping to win the 2022 Bingham Cup in Ottawa. It is the world's largest rugby tournament. But first, they will need to establish a permanent competitive team that plays September to May each year. The team was initially launched in 2001 before disbanding in 2008. A Facebook page was recently started to resurrect it, and the team has since recruited about 50 players who have been getting together to practice every week. We were thinking about starting uh,
6: a new team with a brand new name, but uh, when we looked into it, the Rogues actually have an amazing history within the gay and rugby community. The Rogues were Canada's first openly gay
1: and inclusive rugby team. Great stuff, good luck to them. Mm -hmm. Lots to talk about in the weather. We still have those heat warnings, Yvonne.
7: Yeah, we do. It's going to be very warm, especially overnight lows tonight, and that's why we still have the heat warning. Anywhere between 16 to 20 degrees. Uh, as we get in towards the day tomorrow, though, we still have some cloud cover. We'll see that haze, so some local smoke even across the south coast. By the afternoon with the Humidex, we'll feel into the low 30s, and then it's still actually hot and sunny. Similar for the interiors we get into early next week with some of those temperatures bumping up once again. Tomorrow is the one cooler day for most areas across the province heats up and then in the long range we're really looking towards our Thursday Friday with the chance of showers for metro Vancouver along the south coast for the interior tomorrow though a heads up we do have the risk of thunderstorms and we could see some lightning across the region for our firefight situation for the province we'll be keeping a close eye
1: we sure will it was nice though to see those few rain drops oh, this so morning <laughs> it, was it was strange
7: it my was windshield
1: wipers did not know what to do yeah <laughs> I, mean, I was glad they still worked <laughs> right sleep. yeah that's tonight's news hour. Thanks for being with us. We will all be back at 11. Hope to see you then. Good night.